holding um, Piper. Oh, man, the name just went right out of my head. Uh, so he's probably holding Piper right this minute. So uh, Robert Kelly is speaking, but Kurt wanted to uh, send us a greeting. So we'll watch that first. Can we test it? Happy New Year! Hey, I am so excited to be talking to you right now because I get to tell you yet again the cool thing that God is doing in this church as he is orchestrating everything. So here's what happened. Uh, six weeks ago, eight weeks ago, I'd asked somebody to do it based on some other factors and so on to do New Year's sermon. And uh, we'd never formalized it, but he was praying about it. I was praying about it. And I never was really comfortable that this was exactly who was supposed to be doing it. And he was sort of praying through it too. And sure enough, it gets down to about two weeks. And I just went, yeah, I don't have anything else. I actually looked into a couple other things and it just wasn't and all that kind of stuff. And so I, I just texted him out of my prayer walk and I said, gee, are you going to be, are you the one for New Year's? And he just very lovingly texted back and said, you know, I don't think I'm the guy. I don't have a sermon and I got some other things going on in my life, but that's not really the point. I just don't feel like it's supposed to be me. And given how I was feeling, I kind of went, all right, I can, I can jive with that. And so I went ahead and said, no problem. And when I got done texting him back, I'm on my walk and I'm going, well, this is interesting. <laughs> you know, it's two weeks. The staff is gone. The many people in the church are gone. Who am I going to get? How's this going to go? Do I, am I going to have to come back from vacation and, and being with my folks and my granddaughter in order to do this and so on? And I was just thinking, but, you know, I, I was just kind of wondering about that and praying about it. And literally now, watch this. 30 minutes after I found out that this other person wasn't preaching, I get a text from Robert Kelly and he says, hey, I don't have a sermon. I don't have any idea what's going on, but I think the Lord just told me that I'm supposed to preach on New Year's. <laughs> now, how cool is that? And so that's not enough. You know, I mean, it's pretty good, but it's not enough. And so I said, great. You know, funny you should say that. This is what's happened. Why don't you pray about it? I'll pray about it. Let's see what the Lord is doing. Let's get a hold of this and everything else. So he started working on it. Now, unbeknownst to him, what we were doing at the staff was, is we were planning out the beginning of the year and we had this thing in our heart about prayer. That God wanted us to start the year with prayer and that we had worked out this prayer thing you're going to hear about after the sermon and that there was also going to be this thing that we're going to do next week and so on. And the, and the idea is, is that we were working on that. And I did at one point in time, I sent Robert a little thing and said, hey, write me up a little prayer on this topic. So he had a, a small inkling, but not much. But even before he knew that, I said, what are you thinking about? And he said, it feels like prayer. And I went, well, second, you know, little dash, it could be it, right? So looking pretty good. And then he got the prayer thing and everything else. And so sure enough, he's working on prayer and he's told me a few things and I'm going, this is good, but I don't know if it's it. And then we did a preach call at the beginning of the week and he gave me a great sermon. It would have been great. But when he got done, I just went, this is a great sermon. If, if people heard this, it helps them. It's blessing. It's good. But I just don't know if this is, if you've captured, if, if we've gotten there. And so we talked a little bit about finding the Lord and some, some, you know, thoughts that are in there and so on. But really, I just said, you know, do me a favor, go back and pray about it and let's see what happens. Well, then he texts me. This is Friday morning. I'm talking to you. On Thursday night, he texts me and he says, he says, oh man, has God showed up. He, he said, I'm totally getting it. The flow is completely there. I'm, I'm understanding it. It's 10 times better or more than, than what I had before. 
before and he said, this I'm really excited about. So I went, okay, this is fantastic. So what I did is, is I said, uh, I said, you know, so Friday morning, we're doing our actual preach call and I'm looking at the preach call and I'm listening to it. And as I'm listening to it, now remember something, this has been happening for years now. At the very beginning of the year, the Lord will tell us something that sets the pattern for what's coming up for the new season. Sometimes it's for the whole year. And remember last year, it's not even me that does it all the time anymore. It was Eric Lee last year who totally set the pattern for what was happening at the beginning of the year and much into the year. And so I got done listening to Robert's preach call on Friday morning, this one that God was in so much and and I just when he got done I said this is the theme I'd been wondering where it was I really didn't know it I didn't know it was in the sermon I didn't know it was even in the thing that we'd been preparing but I just went oh my gosh I heard it in the theme and he went I did too he said I totally as I was doing it I heard this so I just love what God is doing here this is so cool that he is taking a step by step so I want you to listen go Robert go God I really want you to have this get into our hearts so that we embrace this next season in fullness I can't wait to be with you next week. God bless you and Happy New Year. Good morning. That was a little weird. <laughs> I've never seen Kurt talk that slow or that fast before. Um, anyway, Happy New Year. Well, almost. Happy New Year's Eve, I guess. We could do the Merry Christmas thing. That's kind of already done, right? So we'll, we'll move on. Um, so how many of you would say that you, I don't know, that you felt like 2017 was a good year? Some, okay. How many of you, 2017 was just awful? Okay, a few. How many kind of indifferent, you know, it's, eh, it's, it's whatever, you know, it's another year. Yeah, that's kind of where I was. It was, it was better than 2015 or 2016 for me, but it was kind of eh still, just like, eh, it's not, it's not great. There's always kind of a sense of that, right? It, no matter what happens during the year, there's always a sense things could be better. You know, I, I don't know if I need to be doing something differently, something about my circumstances need to change, or maybe something about me needs to change. And so, of course, we make New Year's resolutions, right? You know, everyone's really into you know, figuring out what, what is the thing that I need to work on in order to make next year better. So uh, I, I was looking online and I wanted to see just like, what are some things that are people are, are thinking about in terms of what they want their New Year's resolutions to be? And this is what people searched on the internet last year in 2017. So we're going to go in order from, from least to most from, for seven of these here. So number seven, if I can click here, was read more. Seems like a pretty good resolution, right? Number six, travel more, six million searches. Number five, spend less, save more, up to 16 million searches. Learn new hobbies, 17 million. Live life to the fullest, 18 million. Get organized, 33. And then by the biggest one by a long shot, get fit or get healthy, 63 million searches, right? Which I guess makes sense, right? That's, a, that's kind of an internal resolution. It's kind of something I want to change about myself. So that makes sense. When I look at these, there's, like a, there's, like, there's the text, right? And there's sort of a subtext underneath these. So this is what I actually see when I see these. Read more really means watch less TV. You know, travel more really means I need a new profile picture. You know, it goes me standing in front of the Eiffel Tower or something. I don't know, something. 
Spend less, save more. Just probably eat out less, you know? Learn new hobbies? No, seriously, watch less TV. <laughs> like, for real. Live life to the fullest is one of my favorites because it's so specific, right, you know? And there's no, nothing vague about that at all. Sleep less? I don't, I don't know, just do more things? I, I don't know what that means. Get organized really just means clean the garage. That's really what that comes down to. And then I think a lot of people when they read get fit or get healthy, they hear lose weight, right? But for me, since I'm a twig and, and the wind might just blow me away if it comes at me from the wrong angle, really what that means is actually go lift some weights for once. Is that actually gonna happen? Mm, probably not. But this stuff is incredibly popular, right? There's gonna be all sorts of articles, you know, today and tomorrow and talk shows about this and everyone's thinking, I wanna make things better. I want things to improve in the new year, things to be better than they were before. And so maybe if we can pool our ideas and pool our resources, we'll figure out a way to make this work because Lord knows if I try to do it on my own, I'm barely gonna last to February 1st, right? Now, I'm sure you can probably tell just based on what I'm seeing when I look at these that I'm not a huge fan of New Year's resolutions. I mean, I don't know. I'm just the sort of person where I, I don't really resolve to do things. I just kind of do them. So I'm sort of like, if I, why do I need to make a resolution to do it? And then also, they kind of contradict each other a little bit, some of them. Like, how am I going to both travel more and spend less money? That's not, that's not going to work. Or like, how am I going to learn new hobbies and get organized? Like, these things are going to directly conflict with each other. So I figure, okay, maybe I'll just take one. We just, let's just, for the sake of ease, let's look at the top one. Say, getting fit, getting healthy, you know, getting in shape, whatever, however you want to talk about it. If we do that one, then you know, maybe that will make a difference, right? And it's, an, it's an internal resolution. It's something about me. It's not just changing my circumstances. I'm going to be a better person as a result of doing this, right? So I'm not actually going to go to the gym and lift weights. It's just not going to happen for me. But the thing that I would do is go running more. Uh, I used to run a lot in high school. I used to run like 40, 45 miles a week in high school, which sounds a lot to some people, and other people are like, that's nothing. But it just depends on your perspective. I never did marathons or anything. Uh, in high school, my friend Brian and I got the great idea that we were going to run an ultra marathon, having never run an actual marathon. <laughs> not a smart idea. I, I got to 17 miles in my training, and I said, yeah, let's not do that again. That was a bad idea. So, I don't know. I, I would like to get back into it more, though. You know, right now I'm running like maybe five, ten miles a week. It's, it's something, but it's not much. So I got like a GPS watch for Christmas. It's going to track my rouse, you know, track my elevation gain and all that. It has a heart rate monitor on it. It's not even like a chest strap. It like reads your heart rate off your wrist so you can keep yourself in the right pacing zone or whatever. I'm like, okay, this is going to be good. In the new year, I'm going to run more. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get my training up and I'm going to get back in shape and it's going to be great. But here's the thing. It's really cold outside. <laughs> it is, okay? Like, I've got all the warm stuff that I can put on. I've got the Under Armour and the leggings and the gloves and the hat and whatever else, but it's cold outside. And it's just, I just, there's something in me that just doesn't want to do it. I should do it more. I want to do it more. You know, it's, it's not even just a should. It's something I actually want to do. But when the rubber meets the road, does it actually happen? Maybe, maybe not. What's the spiritual thing in our lives where that's true? What's the, what's the aspect of our spiritual training, of our, of our walk with God, where that's true? Obviously, Kurt spoiled it, so it's prayer. I was going to have you like throw out ideas and, and you know, we'll center in on it, but, but it's prayer, right? That is the essence of our relationship with God. That is the, the, the center of it, is the way that we talk with him, the, the communication that we have with him, right? And even if you want to improve other things, 
Prayer is going to be a big part of that, right? If you want to change anything else in your life, if you want to do more evangelism, if you want to be more patient, anything else that you want to do to improve your walk with God, you're going to have to pray about it. You're going to have to talk with him about it. So if we're going to, if we're going to pray more, because this is a spiritual thing, this is an eternal thing, right? Bodily training is of some value, but godliness is of value in every way because it holds promise both for the present life and for the life to come. So if we're going to do that, you know, how, how are we going to make that happen in the new year? Um, I grew up praying. I, I grew up talking to God. Uh, that was something that was a part of my life. Um, when I first came to Lake Sam, I think people remarked that I was wearing a, a shirt that said, Gap, God answers prayer. I'd gotten it at like a, a church camp or something growing up. But I believe that that scripture was true. I really believe that that scripture was true. Uh, many of you know this story, but I, I know some don't, so it's, it's worth retelling. About two years after I was born, I was diagnosed with a disease called chronic idiopathic neutropenia, which basically means that you do not have enough of a certain type of white blood cell. So I got sick all the time, and I would stay sick longer than other kids, I'd miss a lot of school, and I had to have daily injections, shots every day of medicine that would kind of boost my white blood cell count at least enough so that I wouldn't have to be hospitalized if I got sick or something. So, you know, I'm, as a little kid, I've got this, and I'm just like, what is going on, right? I mean, why is this happening to me? I have to have these shots every day, and it's just, it's just not a fun thing. I just wish, I wish this were gone, you know? And we would pray all the time. We'd pray together as a family at home. We would pray with people at church. And I didn't really understand what that meant to pray for it, but I, I knew that something was happening and, and had some sense of going, what was going on, but I didn't really know the meaning of it, the, the full meaning of it. When I was about eight years old, uh, we took a trip to go visit my grandmother in Atlanta, and we were out on a picnic or something, and, and the, you know, it was really hot in, in August in Atlanta, and uh, the medicine was in a cooler, and it just, it overheated, and it went bad. So, obviously, I'm thinking this is great, right? I don't have to have the shots for at least a week or so until we get back home and can get some more. Uh, my parents actually decided to leave me off the medicine for a while, just see what happens. I, I had gotten a little bit stronger as I'd gotten older. Um, so we did that. We went back to, the, back to the doctor to get the, you know, the next checkup, the kind of quarterly check and see what my white blood cell count was. Um, they, you know, draw the blood and send us home and uh, give us a call back later that afternoon to tell us the results. And the count was not normal. Normally you have to be around 3,000 to be normal. If you're deemed to be like below 1,500, then you have the disease. And I was usually around like 500. So, you know, way below normal. So they call us back and said, yep, your count is still not normal. It's 5,000, 2,000 above normal. And we'd go back, you know, every quarter or so after that just to check and make sure I was still doing good without the medicine. And it'd be like 2,800, 3,200, right around the 3,000 normal range. But that first time, it was 5,000. That was God. That was him moving in my life. So at, at seven, eight years old, I knew that God answered prayer. I believed that. And then I came across this book. It's a little book called Psalms, the prayer book of the Bible by Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was a German pastor in World War II. And it's a little tiny book. You could read the whole thing in 45 minutes. And I read this book and I realized I don't actually know how to pray. I don't have an inkling about how to pray. I have no idea how to go about it. I've been going about it completely wrong my entire life. And I knew that God answered prayer. I had faith in him for that. But I did not know how to pray. So that's where we're going today. We're going to look at how to pray. Not just how to pray more or, or 
how to, how to really speak to God, but just how to go about it, how to be, even begin is where we're gonna go today. And I'm actually gonna pray for the sermon today, if that's all right. And I'd like to pray uh, the last stanza of Psalm 119 over us today. And I'm gonna talk a little bit about why we're gonna do that today. Uh, but would you just pray with me? Lord, let our cry come before you, O Lord. Give us understanding according to your word. Let our plea come before you. Deliver us according to your word. My lips will pour forth praise, for you teach me your statutes. My tongue will sing of your word, for all your commandments are right. Let your hand be ready to help me, for I have chosen your precepts. I long for your salvation, O Lord, and your law is my delight. Let my soul live and praise you, and let your rules help me. I've gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. We pray this in the name of Jesus, who loves us and gave himself for us. Amen. All right, so we're going to spend a little time today in this book, and I want to just read to you uh, kind of the opening passage of the book, because it just, it hits you right on, and he, he says it way better than I ever could. So this is, this is Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He says, Lord, teach us to pray. So spoke the disciples to Jesus. In making this request, they confessed that they were not able to pray on their own, that they had to learn to pray. The phrase learning to pray sounds strange to us. If the heart does not overflow and begin to pray by itself, we say, it will never learn to pray. But it is a very dangerous error, surely very widespread among Christians, to think that the heart can pray by itself. For then we confuse wishes, hopes, sighs, laments, rejoicings, all of which the heart can do by itself with prayer. And we confuse earth and heaven, man and God. Prayer does not mean simply to pour out one's heart. It means rather to find the way to God and to speak with him, whether the heart is full or empty. No man can do that by himself. For that, he needs Jesus Christ. Teach us to pray. The disciples said this to Jesus because they didn't know how. They realized they did not know how. They had walked with Jesus and they saw him praying and they said, we need to do what you're doing. We don't know how to do what you're doing. Can you teach us? And they all said this to him, not just the fishermen, not just the tax collector, not just the uneducated ones. They all said this to him. They acknowledged that they did not know how to pray on their own. But that's not all that Bonhoeffer is saying here. He's saying the things which come out of our hearts, the overflowings of our hearts, these hopes and sighs and laments and rejoicings, those aren't prayer either, which sounds very strange to us, especially in our culture, right? Our culture that says, follow your heart that that's the highest code you can live up to. But that's not what scripture says, is it? Scripture says we do not know what to pray for as we ought. We don't know how. Our heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? And Isaiah says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. So if that's true, if that's really true, how do we begin to pray? Please don't mistake what I'm saying here. <laughs> it can be very easy to think, no, we're supposed to talk to God from our hearts. We're supposed to speak to him from our hearts. In a way, that's true. If God has stepped into your heart and changed it, then that's true, right? But what do we know about pleasing God? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And our hearts don't have faith on their own. They don't. They just don't. God has to pour faith into our hearts for us. He has to pour belief into our hearts for us. We come to believe because of what he's done in our lives. 
And so if God has done that for you, then maybe the deepest desires of your hearts are a really good prayer. But a lot of the time, they aren't. They just aren't. We can't trust our heart to pray all the time. If I'm idolizing something and I ask God to give me my idol, is he going to do that? <laughs> no. He stands against anything that would harm us, that would, that would bring us hurt. And, and idolatry is going to do that. If I'm praying for that, he's not going to answer that prayer. Genesis says that God saw that the d- desires of man's heart were evil continually. So how can we pray? How, how can we get past this place of being cut off from God, right? That, there's nothing worse than being cut off from God like that, to, ha- to not have unity with him, to not be able to speak to him. Bonhoeffer calls it the agony of prayerlessness. That's really what it is. It's, it's torture to not be able to talk with God. We're meant for community with him. We're supposed to be one with him. And if we don't have that, it's just awful. And before Jesus comes, we don't have that. You can't just go up and talk to God. Adam and Eve could until they were kicked out of the garden, right? They get cast out and they no longer have communion with God. In the tabernacle, in the temple, there's this veil that comes down between the Holy of Holies and where everyone else is. You don't get to go in. You don't get to talk to God. You're, you're outside. He's holy and we're not. And we don't get to speak with him. But then Jesus comes. Jesus comes and by his defeat of sin and death on the cross, that veil is torn in two from top to bottom, right? We get to step in now. Now we get to step into communion with God, into unity with him, and get to speak to him. We get to speak with him. And so Jesus is the way that we get to talk with God. Jesus is the the mediator for us. He is the one who brings us in to be able to speak with the Lord. And he's not just our savior. He's our teacher too, right? The disciples say, Lord, teach us to pray. And he gives them the Lord's Prayer, right? Which, depending on how you were raised, the Lord's Prayer can sound a little old-fashioned, right? I mean, it, I think it always sounded to me a little bit like it was written by some schoolmaster three centuries ago. You know, the images of some kid, like, lying by his bed, saying his prayers, you know, just reciting something that he memorized. And I just think, this is ridiculous. He doesn't even know what he's talking about. He doesn't know what he's saying. It doesn't mean anything to him. But it does mean something. These are the words of Jesus, right? These are the words of God. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This prayer is God's word, which sounds strange if you think about it, right? How can God's word be a prayer? Prayer is what people say to God. It's how we talk to God. So if it's a prayer, how can it also be God's word? Jesus is both man and God. Jesus is a man, and he can talk to God as a man does. But he's also God. This prayer is not man's thoughts. It is, but it's also God's thoughts, right? Our thoughts are not pleasing to God but God's own thoughts are, because his thoughts are good and right. This prayer is another way that Jesus mediates for us. It's another way that he steps in and allows us to have communion with God that we could not have before. Not only that, though, it's the words of Jesus. And you know what the Father thinks of Jesus, right? 
This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. He hears the words of Jesus and he loves to hear Jesus' words. He loves that. He, he could spend all day talking to Jesus because they're one, right? In, in the Trinity, they're one. So I may not be able to pray on my own. I may not know how. You know, the thoughts of my heart are not pleasing to God. But Jesus' thoughts are. And if I pray with him, he will take me along in his prayer. I get to participate in that prayer that Jesus is praying. Do you know that Jesus is praying for you right now? He is. He is in heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding on your behalf. Hebrews says that he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for, for them. He is up there praying for us right now. I think a lot of the time when our prayers lack power, when we don't see God working in our prayers, is because we're not praying in Jesus' name. We're praying in our own name. We're not praying on Jesus' merits. We're praying on our own merits. We think that God is going to hear us because it's us. Really, he's going to hear us because of what Jesus has done. If I go to a bank and try to withdraw 20 bucks, if, if I don't have an account with that bank, what are they going to say to me? Sorry, why do, why do you think you have a right to get 20 bucks from us? That doesn't make any sense. But if I go to that same bank with a check made out to me for $10 million, signed by the largest account holder in that bank, are they going to honor that check? Yeah, they have to. In God's bank, Jesus has unlimited credit. If you try to withdraw from Jesus' account instead of your own, you get unlimited resources, unlimited access to the power and love and grace and favor of God. To illustrate this, I want to tell a quick story um, from the life of Dwight L. Moody, um, who was an evangelist in the 19th century. Um, when he was a young man, he went to a town in Illinois, and the judge's wife in that town said to him, would you please talk to my husband? He does not believe, he's not a believer. I really want him to come to know the Lord. Would you please talk to him? And Dale Moody said, I'm an uneducated man. I don't want to talk to this guy. He's, he's really smart. And he was, he was new at evangelism and everything. He, just, he didn't want to do it. He, he decided to go do it anyway. And basically all he said to the guy was, hey, if you ever become a Christian, let me know. And the judge said, yeah, good, good joke. I'll, I'll let you know if that ever happens. Well, about a year later, the judge did become a Christian. And Dwight Moody comes back into town and says, okay, tell me how it happened. And this is what the judge said. It says, one night when my wife was at a prayer meeting, I began to grow very uneasy and miserable. I did not know what was the matter with me, but finally retired before my wife came home. I couldn't sleep all that night. I got up early, told my wife that I would eat no breakfast, and went down to the office. I told the clerks they could take a holiday and shut myself up in the inner office. I kept growing more and more miserable, and finally I got down and asked God to forgive my sins. But I would not say for Jesus' sake, because I was a Unitarian, and I didn't believe in the atonement. I didn't believe in what Jesus had done on the cross. I kept praying, God, forgive my sins, but no answer came. At last, in desperation, I cried, oh God, for Christ's sake, forgive my sins. And I found peace at once. That's the power of praying according to Jesus's merit instead of according to our own merit. God doesn't actually have any obligation to answer our prayers, but he will always answer Jesus. So we know that God's own words are pleasing to him. His, his word is pleasing to him. And so through his word, we learn to speak to him. Bonhoeffer puts it this way. He says, the child learns to speak because his father speaks to him. He learns the speech of his father. 
So we learn to speak to God because God has spoken to us and speaks to us. By means of the speech of the Father in heaven, his children learn to speak with him. Repeating God's own words after him, we begin to pray to him. We ought to speak to God, and he wants to hear us, not in the false and confused speech of our heart, but in the clear and pure speech which God has spoken to us in Jesus Christ. So the Lord's Prayer is one of the biggest pieces of this. It's, it's a really rich prayer. It's full of deep meaning. You could spend a sermon just on each different prayer of the Lord's Prayer, but we're just going to go through it really quickly. And so if we want to pray God's way, we have to pray his word and his thoughts. And the Lord's Prayer is, is the biggest piece of this. Our Father in heaven, he's not some taskmaster. He's not some, someone who's disappointed with us and is expecting more from us. He's not some distant king. He loves us. And when we ask for a loaf of bread, he's not going to give us a stone. We're praying that God's name would be held holy. We're praying that both in our lives and the lives of people around us, that people would see who God really is, his real goodness, his real power, that all the lies that get told about him, all the slanders, all the evil words and deeds would just be exposed and fall away. Because one day it is going to be exposed how idiotic anyone ever said against, anything ever, anyone ever said against God is. We're praying that God's kingdom and his will would happen, not our own. When we pray this, our will stops being so important. It stops seeming so necessary. We begin to see with a bigger perspective, the one that he would have us see with. And then even when we don't get what we're praying for, our world doesn't fall apart, right? We just keep seeking him. We just keep learning. We keep growing. We pray for our needs, not just our physical needs, but our spiritual, emotional, mental needs. We're not over-spiritual and think that we don't have needs before God. We, we express our real needs to him. You know, Philippians 4 says, Cast, or, or, be anxious about nothing, but in everything, by prayer and petition, make your requests known to God. That's part of this prayer. But it can be very easy to sit too long on that piece of the prayer too, right? If you're not careful, that could become the only thing that we pray, is praying for our needs. As we pray for our needs, we also seek to, to help the needs of the kingdom, right? We ask forgiveness for our failures to love God and to serve him. We're not trying to atone for our sin. Jesus has already done that. That's already completed. But we do acknowledge to God, you know, this is the way that I failed before you today. Please help me. Please deliver me from this body of, of sin and death. And this part of the prayer actually assumes that we're being obedient already because it assumes that we are already forgiving other people, right? We can't ask God to forgive us if we're holding unforgiveness in our own hearts. And then finally, we ask him to protect us from the power and strength of the devil and of temptation. We acknowledge that we're weak and that only by his power and strength are we going to be able to overcome. You may have heard people talk about having like a kind of empty temptation prayer that they pray when they're in a moment of crisis. There's only two rules for these. It should be short and easy to remember. Mine is from Psalm 119, I am yours, save me. I am yours, save me. I had a professor in college who told me that his was almost like a command to God. Defeat the evil one. Defeat the evil one. That's kind of a faithful, bold prayer to pray, right? To say that to God. Hey, do this. But it's a faithful prayer to ask that of God. And he will deliver us if we pray it. So that's the Lord's Prayer. Some days this is all that I pray. I'll spend a few minutes praying each, each different petition of it. And we also seek to pray, you know, as Paul talks about in the New Testament, without ceasing throughout the day, bringing our prayers and petitions before God. But at the end of the day, we have to be submitted to him. 
no matter what our petitions are, we have to understand that his will is what's going to rule the day. And we want to be a part of that. We want our will to be like his will. And as we pray, thy will be done, thy kingdom come, his will starts to become our will. He changes our will in us. God has been showing me how I can pray from other parts of his word as well. Um, that's the whole point of this, right? We want to pray his words and pray his thoughts. And this book by Bonhoeffer is actually called Psalms, the prayer book of the Bible. The Psalms are another great way that we can pray his word. That's why I wanted to pray Psalm 119 over us earlier. It's about how much we love God's law and his commandments and how they show us who he is and how we want to be a part of that. We get to see who God is through his commandments. But there are others, all sorts of other kind of Psalms you can pray as well, right? There's the, the prayers of real people who really knew God, right? If I'm repenting of something, I can pray Psalm 32 or Psalm 51. If I'm acknowledging to God that I need him to help me in my work, I can pray Psalm 127. If I'm thanking him for putting me in Christian community, I can pray Psalm 133. And as we pray his words, he changes us. He makes our will like his. If you want to learn to pray the Psalms, I really recommend this book. It's called The Songs of Jesus. It's a daily devotional by Tim and Kathy Keller. It's just one page per day. You get a little snippet of a psalm. You get a little explanation of it and then an additional little prayer to pray along with it. Um, it's a really helpful way to learn to pray the psalms and learn to pray God's word if you want it. So if anybody wants to borrow this, first person to talk to me after gets it. Um, I can guarantee that if we begin to pray this way, God will answer 100% of the time. 100%. And that seems like a bold claim, right? To say that God is going to answer 100% of the time. I would not make that claim if it were not in Scripture, but it is in Scripture. This is the confidence that we have towards him, that if, we, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we've asked of him. Not even will have the requests. We have them right now. It's a bold claim, right? So just to illustrate this, I want to tell you another story from an, another evangelist, a guy named R.A. Torrey, um, who was after Dwight L. Moody and kind of before Billy Graham. Um, he preached all over the world. Lots of people came to know Jesus through him. And a big reason for that was that he knew the word like the back of his hand. People would come to him and say, I've got this problem, or I don't believe this thing. Can you help me? And he would take them right to the scripture that just addressed it. And it's just like, what was I even thinking? Like, it's just, it's right there. It's obvious what the answer is. And so I want to tell a story here from, from him to illustrate this. He writes, Mr. F.B. Meyer of London and I had gone together to a student's conference at Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. He spoke that night on the baptism with the Holy Spirit. When he finished, he said, if any of you wish to speak to Mr. Torrey or myself about this matter, we will stay and talk with you after the meeting is over. A young man came to me who had just graduated from the Illinois College. He said, I heard of this blessing a month ago, and I've been praying for it ever since but I haven't received it. What's the matter? I said, is your will laid down? Is your will fully surrendered to God? He replied, no, I don't think it is. I said, well, your praying will do you no good until, you, until your will is laid down. Will you lay your will down now? And he said, I cannot. Then I said, are you willing that God would lay it down for you? He said, I am. I said, let us kneel down and ask God to do it. I put two chairs by, side by side and we knelt down by them. I opened my Bible to 1 John 5, 14 through 15 and laid it open on the chair in front of the young man. Now I said, ask God to lay your will down for you. He prayed, Heavenly Father, 
lay my will down for me, empty me of my self-will, bring my will into absolute surrender to thine own. I ask it in the name of the Lord Jesus. I said, is it done? He said, it must be. I've asked something according to his will, and I know he has heard me, and I know he has done what I ask of him. I said, all right, what is it that you want? And he replied, I want the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And I said, ask for it. Again, he prayed, Heavenly Father, baptize me with the Holy Spirit right now. I ask it in the name of the Lord Jesus. I asked, is it done? And he said, I don't feel it. I said, that is not what I asked you. Read again the verse before you. And he read, this is the confidence we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. I said, what was what you asked, was what you asked him according to his will? And he said, it was. Luke eleven thirteen and Acts two thirty nine say so. Then I said, what then do you know? He said, I know that he hears me. All right, read the next verse. And he read, and if he, we know that he hears whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions we have asked of him. And so I said, what do you know? He said, I know that I have the petition that I've asked of him. I said, what is the petition that you've asked of him? He said, the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And I said, what do you know? And he replied, I know that I have the baptism with the Holy Spirit. We got up, I had a few more words with him, and he went to his tent, and I went to mine. The next morning, I took the boat for an early train to Chicago. I came back a few days later. I saw this young man down in the audience, and standing on the platform, I looked over to him where he was sitting in the amphitheater and said, did you really receive the baptism with the Holy Spirit? He did not need to answer, for his face told the story, but he did answer that he had. Two or three years later, I told this incident at a meeting of the Methodist ministers in Chicago, and an inquisitive brother asked me, well, what became of the young man? I had to reply, I don't know. But within two weeks, as I was sitting in my office in the Bible Institute of Chicago, there came a rap at my door. I said, come in. A fine-looking young fellow walked in. He said, do you recognize me? I replied, I know I've seen you somewhere, but I can't place you. Well, it was this young man. He was now in the Chicago Theological Seminary. A few days later, a group of students from the seminary came over to invite me to speak at the seminary on the day of prayer for colleges. I asked them how this young man was getting on, and they told me he was getting on in a wonderful way, and that although he was still a student in the seminary, the seminary had already given him a church up in Wisconsin, which they added was a very unusual thing, but they said something better still. He is having conversions all the time. That's incredible, right? The young pastor didn't feel anything, but he knew that he had prayed something according to God's will, according to God's word, and he got it. He believed that he had received it, and he got it. When I first read that story, I was struck by how willing he is to acknowledge, is your will laid down? I don't think it is. Will you lay it down now? I can't. I don't know how to do that. I am unable to do that before God. God will do this for you if you ask him. Just in the last few weeks here, um, I had been praying for God to do something. Uh, it seemed like he was moving me in a certain direction. Some things had happened that made me think things were moving in a certain direction. And so I was just praying that God would give me an opportunity to move forward with it. Um, that he would give me a chance to, to take the next step with it. And I wanted it too much. I, uh, I was beginning to idolize it. And I was, I was aware of that. I was kind of anxious about it. I wasn't sleeping super well. I was waking up at three or four in the morning and, and kind of lying there until six or seven, you know, almost every day. And so I was also praying at the same time, Lord, just let your will be done in this. I, I, I'm expressing my desire to you. I'm making my petition to you. But at the same time, let your will be done. And, and make me okay with your will. Because <laughs> I'm not sure that I'm going to be if it's not what I want. <laughs> make me okay with what your will is. And... He didn't answer the first part of my prayer. 
you know, we got to 11.59.59, and the clock struck midnight, and the window passed, and he didn't answer the prayer. And I got really upset for a day or so. I was very frustrated, um, very frustrated. I felt a little bit like Abraham with Isaac, you know, like, why, why did you give me the son of the promise if you're just going to let him die, right? Like, what's the point of this? And then I realized that while Abraham passed his test, I didn't really pass mine. I did get upset. I, I was very frustrated with God over it. And so I just acknowledged that to him. I just said, Lord, I, I put my will above your will in this situation. Would you, would you still, even now, change me? Even though it's already passed and gone, would you change me now? And I went to sleep that night, and per usual, I woke up about 3 or 4 a.m. in the morning. And as I was lying there, I just heard God say to me, not, not audibly, but just in my mind and in my heart, I heard him say, I have done it. I have broken it. I have broken it for you. And I went right back to sleep. <laughs> God will do this for you if you ask him. When we pray according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, we know that we have the request that we've asked of him. It may be a while before this thing comes up again and I, and I realize that my will is submitted to God in a way that wasn't before. I don't, I don't feel any different. But I believe that I am. I believe that he has done something in me as a result of that prayer. And I'm excited to see what it looks like when it comes up again. Have you ever noticed that people always add if it be your will to their prayers? Oftentimes you know, you'll be in a group praying for somebody for something to happen and they'll say, Lord, if it be your will, let this, let this thing take place. I guess that's, that's fair, right? There are a lot of things that we don't know if they're according to God's will or not. But if it's in scripture, if it's God's word that we're praying, there is no doubt that that's God's will. There is absolutely no doubt about that. And I don't think that he put this scripture in the Bible so that we would add ifs to our prayers. This is the confidence that we have. We know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. If you're praying for something and you know that it's according to God's will, if you're praying to have more of the fruit of the Spirit in your life, if you're praying for opportunities to share him with other people, of course that's God's will. Of course he wants that. Why would he not want to answer that prayer? When you pray it, know that you have it. Pester God with it. Hit him up day and night. <laughs> that is the confidence that we have before him. You know, the, the parable of the persistent widow, she just keeps rapping at the door, keeps rapping at the door, and God will answer. It's a faithful thing to pray that way. It shows our faith in him. It shows that we know who he is and he's delighted by that. Uh, the people in the New Testament where Jesus says, great is your faith, those are the people who actually got pushed away at first. There are some people where, you know, they, they ask Jesus for something and he says, why should I give that to you? And they just keep asking. And then he says, great is your faith because they persisted, because they knew it was according to his will. Now, you, notice, you may have noticed that we haven't talked much about the role of the Holy Spirit in our prayers. Obviously, this is a charismatic church where we believe in the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The rest of that verse from Romans that we read earlier says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes with groanings too deep for words. Jesus is praying for us, and the Holy Spirit is praying for us too. We can join the Holy Spirit in that prayer. 1 Corinthians says, who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. When we pray according to the spirit, 
That's praying according to God's thoughts too. God's spirit knows his thoughts. God's spirit knows his will. And so we pray in the spirit. When we pray by the spirit, we're also praying according to the will of God. And we know that whatever we pray, we have because it is according to God's will. Jesus and the spirit are both interceding on our behalf. Let's join them in their prayer. Let's not try to pray on our own. Let's not try to pray by our own merits in our own name. Let's pray according to their merits, according to the goodness and power of God. And if you know that your prayers are just the overflowing of your heart, if that's all they tend to be, just acknowledge that to God. He will teach you about that. He will show you that. He will change you. And as we begin, begin to pray his words and his thoughts, that is when all the difference is going to happen. That's what's going to make the difference in 2018. If you want to learn to pray more, if you want to learn to pray with power in 2018, that's how we have to do it. So Lord, we just ask as to you, our Father, who love us, who gave himself for us. Lord, we ask all these things in your name, Lord. We ask that according to your will, we would pray. We ask that your kingdom would come in our prayers, Lord. That that would be what motivates the way that we speak with you, Lord, the way that we talk to you, Lord. We ask that you would meet our needs, our physical needs, our spiritual needs, our emotional needs. But even, in, even when it seems like you haven't, that we would still be obedient to you. We would still be submitted to you. We pray that you would forgive us for all the times when we have not done this, Lord. We thank you that you have forgiven us, that you have atoned for our sin on the cross, Lord. There's nothing else that we need to do. And Lord, we ask that you would help us to fight the battles that you have given us to fight, Lord. That you would give us victory in our, in our fight over sin and against death, Lord, and against our flesh, Lord. And that at the end of the day, you would be glorified, Lord. That you would get the glory. That people would see that it is not us, that it is you that is doing all of it. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Robert. That was awesome. Preachers love when you clap for them at the end. It's their favorite. Yeah. So, as Kurt mentioned in the video at the very beginning of this, uh, this it's cool that what God's doing because at the very beginning of, or at our last staff meeting of the year, we were praying and we felt like God wanted to bring prayer, do more prayer for Lake Sam in 2018. And so we're like, great. What do, we, what do we want to do with that? At the same time, he spoke to Pam, who's leading worship this morning, and, and God spoke to her and said, hey, we should pray during worship. And we're like, hey, that's pretty cool. What else he got? And it turns out Robert was like, hey, I got a sermon. It's about praying. So, <laughs> so it feels like God's up to something, yeah? So here's what we're doing as a response to the word that Robert brought today. We, If you have in front of you, if you reach... Uh, that you should have this piece of paper that says seven days. And if you don't have it, it's okay. There's more, and there's also digital things that we're going we're gonna to do. So here's what we want to do. Actually do it, right? It's very easy to listen to Robert and go, that's cool, I love it, that's awesome, that's great, and then leave, and then come back next week, and you're like, oh, right, didn't we do something about prayer? So we're actually going to do it this year. Right? So what we're, here's what we're doing. We're going to commit to seven days of prayer. You can do anything for seven days. This is not difficult. And uh, just, Robert gave some awesome suggestions. You can take the Lord's Prayer. You can start with that. You can go into any of the Psalms and you can pray those. You can 
just freelance it, just do whatever you want and listen to the Holy Spirit. Here's what we're doing. You can either take this piece of paper home with you, or you're going to get an email, or you can use the Lake Sam app. You have lots of options. And we're basically taking seven days and we're, we focus each day to be a specific topic. So day one is going to be confession. Day two is going to be about uh, unity. Day three is about healing our country and, and so on and so forth. And w what we're asking is that you would uh, take the, either this paper or the app or, or however you want to do it and read this prayer and, and say, Lord, speak to me through this. And after you're done reading that, just let, let the Spirit speak to you. And whatever comes to your mind, whatever comes to your heart, just pray. And we're not asking for like the, the heavens to open up and like God to descend upon you and like magic happens. Like that's not the point of this. The point is like, let's, let's listen to God and let's practice actually praying. And we'll be surprised that he's going to pray. We're going to pray and he's actually going to listen to us. And it's going to be awesome. And if you're bad at it, that's okay. Do it anyway. And if you're great at it, that's awesome. Do it anyway. Right? Can I, can, can I ask for that? Can I ask for your commitment for the next seven days? I was, listen, I was sitting back listening to the sermon. I was like, oh, this is awesome. This is cool. Oh, shoot. I actually have to pray then. <laughs> like, like, this is for me as well. Okay. And I, I had a moment where I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to do this. I, I don't know. I, maybe it'll be in the morning. Maybe it'll be at night. I'm, I'm still working through the logistics of it. But I'm committing to, I'm going to do this for seven days. I'm going to pray. And I'm asking you to do the same thing. So with that, I want to pray. Lord, thank you that you're here. Thank you for speaking to and through Robert. I ask you to help us get this right. Lord, would you help us uh, remember to pray? Would you help us uh, give us the words to pray? And Lord, give us the freedom to do it however we feel comfortable doing it. So if we would say, I don't pray because I'm bad at it, Lord, would you just push that crap out of the way? Lord, if we would, would say, oh, but I, if, maybe it's not God's will for me to pray this. Lord, just help us get that out of, your, out of our way. Whatever is hindering us. Lord, we want to get it right this year. We want to get it right this week. We want to get it right right now. So we thank you. We ask you to be with us, and we just trust that you're going to do something awesome through this. Reach down in front of you.